0: Hey guys, welcome to the Keeping It 99 podcast, here with episode number 28. Oh, sorry, 28. And, uh, <laughs> with your host, uh, me and Mona, and we have a special guest today, uh, Father Theodore Ghelli from St. Verena American Coptic Orthodox Church in Nashville, Tennessee. So thank you, Buna, thank for you for coming me. with us. Yes, thank you for having me. appreciate it. Um, it's very appreciated. Uh, so today we're going to talk um, about, like, keeping youth in the church because it's an issue that we see. It's an epidemic um, not just in the Coptic church or in Orthodox churches, but in churches across the board in general. Um, you know, you're seeing, uh, like youth and younger, uh, kids just like leave the church at rates that's never been seen before. And it, it's something that like, we'd like to address and also cause it's like really close to us because, you know, even in our own group, we've had people like, um, show hints of leaving or show signs of it. And I, I would just like to, um, like get your thoughts on, uh, subject in general so the first question i'm going to ask you is like what what is the one tip you have for for high schoolers for college kids to within their peers within their groups to keep the people in their groups like grounded in the church like what's something that we can do
1: that's very good actually first of all i'd like to say that it's uh, uh a good thing that there are youth that are concerned about that that they that they want to see uh they hate to see their peers they hate to see their their friends they hate to see even You know their colleagues in school or work or wherever the case may be, that are kind of falling away from the church. Um, So that's one. That's actually a great first step that there are people who actually care about the problem. Second thing I would say, and actually the most important thing, is if I live my life authentically as a Christian, then that can't you know help but be a light to those around me. Even if in the moment the person may look like or feel like they are rejecting God, if you are living authentically your life in a Christian way and they see that in a real way, then that is going to be the best testimony that you can give. What I mean by that is um, a lot of times we focus on the externals. You know, we focus on like, are you fasting or not? Did you attend liturgy early or not? Uh, do you pray or not? And, and those things are vitally important. But if I do all those things, but at the same time, for example, my behavior is not as a Christian should be. My language is not as a Christian should be. The way I spend my weekends or my time is not a way as a Christian should be. You know, the person who might be wavering in their faith might think to themselves, well, those external things aren't really helping that person. They're not really doing anything. So what? That you take communion every week. You're just like me. And so they might feel not encouraged to continue in their faith. But when I do those vital practices alongside an authentically lived Christian life, it can't help but be a testimony to others. Mm -hmm.
2: I also want to add something i feel like um being double-minded like having um a life in school and then a different life in church absolutely yeah i feel like um when someone sees that they're like you're not doing christian-like things so why would i want to be like you
1: why would i be want to be called by the name of christian when mm-hmm. christianity to me because by the way that that's actually a very important point you are an ambassador right so You are what Christianity is to that person. You are the definition of Christianity to that person, whether for good or bad, right? So the definition for them of Christianity then at that point is hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. And they think to themselves, I would rather be authentic. I'd rather be who I really am. So I'm not going to go to church on Sundays and then go out, you know, wherever on Friday nights and Saturday nights and and live that life. I'm going to be authentically myself. So if I'm going to be authentically myself, maybe I shouldn't go to church, which actually we need to do the opposite, right? We need Mm -hmm. to stay away from those things that are, against the commands of god so that i'm living my life sort of in an honorable way and in a way consistent with my beliefs i have to live according to my beliefs it's not enough for me to just believe those things
0: yeah i i agree with that point and something i would like to say to um something else that i've noticed that helps i mean helped me like personally when it came to um like really growing into the church was knowledge and I, I know a lot of times like we overlook that especially as youth we overlook it we're just we, we see like knowledge, like knowledge in the church as just something that just like kind of comes with time and something that just like as we get older we just kind of like pick up on and I realized like once you make a conscious effort to learn about the church to learn um, whether it be hymns or theology or whatever it is when you when you really like delve deep because it, and it, it because it grounds you in your faith, and it yes. keeps you like tied to it. And I think it, it also helps like with, with what Munda was talking about, like this double-mindedness.
1: Yeah, actually, you know, having knowledge of, of what I like to call like the why uh, really uh, helps me to continue to persevere in the thing. So what I mean by that, for example, is I want to know, what am I doing in liturgy? Why am I there? Why do I fast? Why is it important for me to pray from a prayer book rather than just saying whatever I want to God whenever I want? When I understand those whys, it helps me persevere in, in times uh, where it's difficult, you know, for people who maybe work out. Not everybody when they wake up in the morning feels like going to the gym or walking, running a couple miles, but they do it because of the why, right? They know why they do it. They do it because if they do it, they'll, they'll be healthier, they'll lose weight, they'll whatever goal that they're trying to sort of accomplish, and the same thing, if I fast, and I know why I'm fasting. I'm fasting to, to, to live a life of self-sacrifice, I'm fasting to discipline the flesh. When I understand those things, those times where I'm tempted to not fast and say no, if I do that, I'm not going to be disciplining my flesh any longer I'm gonna allow my flesh to live. But I, I do want to add sort of a counterpoint a little bit that knowledge is a two-edged sword. What I mean by that is for those who maybe for whatever reason strayed from the church or during that sort of critical period of time were not able to get that sort of knowledge, that can feel sometimes to those as like a gate preventing them from coming back to the church. Like, I don't know the rules. I don't know the way. I don't know what, how, to, how it works. I don't know the things that seem to be sort of understood among those who are maybe uh, remained faithful. And so we, we, as part of the church, need to sort of create a path for those kind of people and welcome them and be okay understanding, like, yeah, you know what? You didn't get this sort of essential knowledge and now you need it. So I, I don't want to sort of, you know how St. Paul says, knowledge puffs up. And so sometimes when we know all of these things, oh you don't know that we're supposed to be fasting now or how to fast or you don't know that like you know liturgy starts here or this is the liturgy of the word and this is the liturgy of the believers when you talk that way and you act that way to people that can be such a big barrier of someone who might be just has a spark of repentance and we might be quenching that spark if we're not careful
0: and i think like um this goes back to like what you said um about like like being like allowing creating a like a environment that lets those people like learn and like m- like pick up on the essential knowledge that they almost missed out on and it really goes with like what Saint paul said when he was like to jews i was a jew to greeks i was a greek and i think um like taking that like mindset and applying it to like today to yes. applying it to like the, the present world like how would you see like that happening
1: well so you know when you when you're saying like to, to the Jews I was a Jew and to the to the Greeks I was a Greek like, on the one hand I would never say to you that I should you know fall into or do the things that the the people that are sinning are doing in order to sort of make them feel welcome but that that's never the case sin is never something that I would be acceptable for for my life I should be working on avoiding sin but at the same time imagine if you had someone outside of the Coptic faith someone just came right from the street and they're like and they're like we wanted to share a meal with you, and you were fasting. How would you explain to them fasting? You'd explain to them knowing they don't know, so you'd be loving about them not knowing and, and sort of gracious to, to explain to them. And sometimes we skip that with, with those people that are of our own faith, because we assume, well, you should know this or you should have known this. We need to remove that spirit from our, from ourselves and just simply, you know, when people come and, and, and are and sincerely, authentically asking for questions, uh, we need to sincerely give them answers in a loving and a compassionate way rather than sort of a, a know-it-all and a, and a knowledge puffed up sort of way.
0: Yeah, and I think um, I, I agree with that. And I also think like even within ourselves, even people who have grown up in the church and have um, developed through um, yeah, like like going back to the point of like the double-mindedness or like the hypocrisy, it's like. Because we have to obtain knowledge as well. Like we can't just pick up on the knowledge. We have to, especially in the world we live in now, and in the play, in, It's not going to
1: come automatically.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. We have to go and seek the knowledge. We have to go put the effort in. Absolutely. And you I, well, am
1: yeah. well, sorry to interrupt you, but one of the things that you know I hear a lot from youth and adults, say like for example, I read the scripture and I don't understand it, or I tend liturgy and I don't know what's going on and if you were like for in your in your career or something and, and you didn't understand something and it was vital for you to do your job you would learn what it is that you need to do so that you can do it well for me to throw up my hands and say well I don't understand scripture when we are at the peak maximum ever in the history of the world resources for knowledge ways for me to learn you know there are million sermons a million podcasts a million books a million ways for me to learn about Description. And so like, I, I, I don't have an excuse to say, well, I, I you know, it's too confusing for me. It, you know, that, that can't be an excuse.
2: Sorry. um, I also like, like you said, um, the, you have to go and seek the knowledge. Like you have to, you have to go out there. Like if you ask me a year ago, if I knew anything about the liturgy, I would say no. Cause like, I don't focus. Like I didn't focus because I, um, I didn't, um, I didn't understand it. But like ever since I uh, surround myself with people such as Isaiah and them, they, they don't teach me, but they want me to grow better, to learn the liturgy and other stuff within the church.
1: Surrounding myself with good com- you know, good company, that uh, you know, just like Saint Paul says, bad company, uh, evil company corrupts good morals, and the opposite is true too, right? Good company. You know, encourages me towards holiness, towards righteousness. So it's a very important point. Yeah, and
0: I, I'll take that point about like creating an environment, like, we're, like we've been saying, of like acceptance and and like it's almost like a nurturing environment. And I like to apply that to um, like to us being like the light of the world. Sure. Obviously, as Coptic Orthodox Christians in America, there's very few of us compared to the you know population of America. Sure. And uh, I don't know how it is in Nashville, but here in Atlanta, like most of us we don't go to school with anyone from church. Sure. So we're like kind of alone. So um, one of the questions we got from uh, our viewers was like, what are some practical steps that we can take to spread orthodoxy even if we are alone? So like in settings like that. That's a very good
1: question. The first thing I would say is I want to take the examples from scripture and understand that it is okay to be alone. What I mean by that is many times at this age, which is very normal, but we need to fight against, is we feel a need to feel accepted. I want to fit in. Actually, you know, most people that are in high school and college and things like that, the worst thing that you can do is stick out in the crowd. You don't want to stick out. You just want to be sort of part of the group. And so if I'm behaving differently, I'm eating differently, I'm acting differently, of course I'm going to stand out. But if you look back into sort of the, the history of Scripture, for example, Lot, he stuck out in Sodom and Gomorrah. Noah, he stuck out in the evil times and he was building an ark, right? Our Lord Jesus Christ himself, right? He was shunned by the vast majority of people. I need to go with the mindset that actually it's pretty normal for me if I'm going to live my life as a Christian correctly to be rejected by most and, w- and almost welcome that. You know, It's not just words when we say, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Although all of us are very familiar with those words, the minute we feel any sort of persecution for righteousness' sake, even the persecution of feeling left out, feeling different, we immediately are shun sort of our, our, who we are, right? And that's a big thing that we need to be uh, concerned about. Our Lord Jesus Christ talks about how we shouldn't be ashamed of him, right? We, we, we have to be proud that we are followers of, of, of Christ. And so when we have that, when I have that mindset that, yes, I am going to be different, I don't need to hide that. And that's okay. And what you'll see as you grow and you mature, you know, people who are like ends of college, graduating college, things like that, they start to realize, why was I pretending to be something that I wasn't just to fit in? I bet I'd rather to be my true self. But doing that from the beginning would be the best way that I could be an evangelist to those around me, being okay with being different.
0: And like speaking from personal experience, something that um, even like, since I was in middle school, something that I noticed is that, um, fitting in just like, like for me, like I, I never tried to fit in. I, I thought, I always thought that fitting in was kind of like giving up like who I really was giving up, um, my real identity. And sorry, for me, like being Coptic Orthodox Christian is like, is really important. It's, it's something that's very, like I take pride in it. Sure. And I think that, um, as I've become more like open and more. Uh, like, straightforward with, like, who I am and what I really believe in. Um, like, you notice the people around you, like, it, it, the people that are important in your life and the people that matter and whose opinions that actually, like, hold value, those are the people that are always going They'll respect sp- it and support yeah. you,
1: even if they don't agree. They're they, they they, they, Think about it this way. People who are around you who are uh, trying to convince you to do things contrary to the gospel, they're proud. They're happy to say... Hey, come try this. Come go here. Go do this. You know, they're not sort of ashamed to to sort of take you out of your comfort zone. You know, why not be bold and be 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 sort of like emboldened to take them out of their comfort zone? Come with me to church. Come to me with this meeting. Listen to what I read in Scripture this morning. Listen to what I you know felt God was speaking on my heart uh, in prayer. You know, I can I can do those
0: same things. And I like to go to the next question we have, which is like like just like you're saying, like to do these small tasks, but a lot of times I know even me personally, like we feel shy as, as we feel shy to come up to these people. We we feel shy, not even just with people that are outside the church, but even people within the church, Mm. we feel uncomfortable talking about, um, these spiritual things. And I mean, there's many examples, like I can, I can think of right now of like, even recently where we'll be having, like we'll be talking about something spiritual or theological or something of that sort. And, There's always people trying to like end the conversation. So how do we like find that confidence to speak up and kind of like continue to speak even if there's people trying to silence us?
1: Well, uh, again, you know, I think the answer to this is going to be very similar. When I'm sort of living my life in a way of towards holiness, I cannot help but speak about it. What I mean by that is like when you go to the movies and you see a movie you really like, you know, or like like for example i really like star wars so when, when star wars when they we come out with a new series or something like that i talk about it with my friends hey did you see the new obi-wan series did you see what darth vader did that was really cool right i can't help but doing that because it's my area of interest okay my area of interest my first and foremost primary area of interest should be christ who died for me right and so i can't help but tell you you know Oh my gosh, listen to what happened in, in liturgy yesterday. Like the the sermon was so nice. Listen to what Abuna said. It was beautiful. Or I was, you know, I was re- listening to this sermon on a podcast and it was it was really really nice and I, and it really touched me. Or I was reading my scriptures last night or this morning and this word, I you know, I never noticed how, how Christ did this or said this or how God uh, acted this way with the people and it was really uh, amazing to me. You know, I need to I need to be immersed in my spiritual life and then naturally it won't be like i have to try to say something holy it's not going to be like that it's more like this is what i'm doing on an everyday basis and so this is my area of interest these are the things that are important to me and it's just naturally coming out
2: one thing i i usually go by like isaiah said like sometimes i feel shy to spread uh, the word of god but one thing i i really go by is if god is with me like It doesn't matter who's against me.
0: Yeah, just like uh, what David said. Yeah. um, In the story of David and Goliath. And, like, the confidence, I feel like, is so important, especially, like, not even just in talking about Christ. In general, in life, confidence is, you know, a very important thing. You know, there's a saying, like, you know, if you walk into a place with confidence, no one's going to question, like, you know, you, you being there. And so I've noticed, like, being bold and being confident and really, like, saying like this is what i believe this is why i believe it and it, 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 it sets you up for those conversations Absolutely. um that lead to like edifying conversations that lead to increased spirituality so do i have one oh, more no, question yeah go ahead please uh, like how do we prepare ourselves for those conversations sometimes they're very like tough to deal with and they're very like um especially with people who are maybe trying to challenge us yeah. they're very like nitpicky and they always sure. just want to you know, get get like make you trip up. So how do we approach those conversations? How do we prepare ourselves for it?
2: So
1: actually, there's a couple things. First of all, um, preparing ourselves is going back to what you were talking about within, as far as knowledge goes. Right. So uh, I should be well versed in my in, in my faith. I should understand the scripture. I should know the traditions of the fathers. I should know the whys about why I do things and why I'm commanded to do things or why I behave in certain ways. That's the first thing I need to have. I need to have knowledge. The Second thing is I need wisdom or discernment. What I mean by that is, not everybody who I'm engaging in deserves a full-fledged and full and at-length answer because sometimes they are coming only with an argumentative heart and spirit. What I mean by that is, when our Lord Jesus Christ was talking to a Gentile woman, He said to her, do not give what's holy to the dogs, right? If someone is coming questioning me, not to learn, but actually they're coming to question me, to make you doubt your own faith, or to be argumentative, or to embarrass you in front of others, there's no need for me to always engage. Sometimes we think, I have to engage. But actually, you do not have to engage. And that's not maybe for my benefit or my edification, and not for his benefit or for edification, because he's not really looking for actual knowledge. And then the third thing that I would, I would say is, well, you know, going back to what you're talking about, being courageous, being bold, one of the things I like to remember and keep in mind, Same of the Prophet, when, when he told God that, the people of Israel they wanted a king, and Samuel was very upset that he rejected, that they rejected the kingship of God and that they wanted to have a king. And and God essentially told them, "Why are you so upset? They didn't reject you; they're rejecting me." So if if I sincerely do my part and give good effort to to preach uh, Christ and His gospel, and it is rejected, it's Christ who is being rejected, not I. There's no need for me to take it sort of in a personal way.
0: I think that that last point is is something that like I take away a lot because I, I think a lot of times we, which is I mean not necessarily a bad thing like we try to personalize of Christ which is a good thing, but sometimes like when someone says something or like does something that kind of is like against that or like offends us in that way we kind of take it to ourselves instead of, of like that mentality so I really like that um, point but going off that like what does God require of us um, to defend His name and what are some things that we can do. Um, to may- maybe not necessarily defend Christ, but to kind of like, like, I mean, I guess, yeah, defend our faith in a way. Like, what well, are so, things we can do?
1: So I, I want to say first and foremost that God is not in need of defense, right? God can defend himself. You know, there is no it's, uh, Sometimes we come to this mentality that if I don't, you know, aggressively and sometimes abrasively um, stand up for God, who will stand up for him? But actually, no, God can stand up for himself, and the truth stands up for itself. So that, that, that's one point. But but in general, I think I get the, the, the gist of your question of like, so how do we sort of um, allow ourselves to be the the light or how be, be examples to others? And again, it goes back to simply, A, living a life that's consistent with my beliefs. And, and B, you know, when I do have those openings and those opportunities, not shying away from sharing. You know, it, it doesn't have to be, sometimes we get so intimidated. It doesn't have to be, Uh, like this theological discourse. And actually, sometimes questions get deeper than I know. And it's okay for me to say, you know, I'm not sure about the answer to that. Let me get back to you. Let me figure that out. You know, and and I can do some research. I can gain my own knowledge. And then I can actually give and pass that knowledge on to someone else. So living my life uh, consistent with my own beliefs, uh, being bold and having courage to to speak when I have those uh, places to speak, are those are the the two big ways that that I can do that.
0: Um, so I think, thank you for uh, coming on. I think that will wrap it up. Um, so just like in in a summary kind of, um, like keeping, you know, your peers in the church, just living the life of Christ and, um, just like kind of like being there for them and allowing them to be nurtured in that environment where they can obtain knowledge. And when it comes to spreading orthodoxy, also live the life of Christ, um, and be knowledgeable in your own faith and be confident and bold and don't shy away from uh, opportunities Take it all that. Is Absolutely. that right? Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, thank you Buna so much for coming on the podcast, and uh, we appreciate the time. And if you guys like this episode, please like and comment, subscribe, and share it to uh, anyone that you think might enjoy it. So thank you. Buna. Thank you so much.